we may laugh when it comes to things like woke and cancel culture, but what happens when it starts affecting national security? Hi, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Ontario, Canada. You're listening to Quick Hits, short podcasts about national security and public safety. Maybe once in a while, or let me rephrase that, more frequently of late, I'm coming across articles in a variety of media from around the world that kind of talk about things that are in the midst of changing. And when I talk about these changes, I'm referring to people who have opinions on national security and public safety and who don't like the way that things are being phrased, the way that things are being termed. And as a consequence, they're making suggestions about differences in language or differences in how we use certain terms when it comes to national security. And that's fine. Um, I certainly remember in my time working at CSIS, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, that we changed our vocabulary over time. We used to call jihadi terrorism Sunni Islamic terrorism, and then we changed it to Sunni Islamist terrorism, and then short form Islamist terrorism, which I think was a good progression in terminology over the years. But the bottom line was that we felt we had to maintain the word Islamist because that's what it was. It was a series of acts of violence carried out by Muslims who felt they had cornered the market on the interpretation of Islam, which I've gone on a record of stating is not standard, it's not normative, it's not mainstream, it's very extreme in nature. And that by failing to call it that, we're missing something. And it would, it would affect the way that I worked as an analyst and counterterrorism analyst, and I suspected it would also affect the way we did operations if we're afraid to call something what it really is. Since my retirement in 2015, the Trudeau government here in Canada has upended the apple cart completely when it comes to terminology. It doesn't use the word Islamist anymore. It calls it religiously motivated violent extremism, uh, which is wrong on at least two counts. Uh, a, uh, Islamist terrorism is not solely religious. It's also political and ideological, two other terms that government has used. Uh, and secondly, not all religions are equally responsible for terrorism in 2022. As I have joked on many occasions, you don't see Mennonite suicide bombers and are highly likely to do so. Jihadis rule the roost, Islamist terrorists rule the roost when it comes to that particular form of terrorism. Is it the only form? No, but it's the dominant form on earth if you follow my Global Terrorism This Week blog that comes out every Monday morning, you'll see that still somewhere north of 99% of all attacks on the planet these days are carried out by jihadis. Those are facts. You can't make up your own facts. You can make up your own analysis or your own opinion. You can't make your own facts. But I did come across a couple of articles in English language media this week, which again, got me shaking my head about just what it is that woke people are trying to do to our planet. And if you recall, back in 2019, there was an attack at the Fishmongers Hall, where a man called Usman Khan, who was a so-called de-radicalized Islamist terrorist, and he was at an event where they were bragging about how much he had changed, and he turned around and he fatally killed, um, sorry, fatally wounded, of course, you fatally killed, you're fatal, uh, prisoner education volunteers Saskia Jones and Jack Merritt, and then he himself was shot dead by police. 
So he was clearly an Islamist terrorist. That's why he'd been jailed in the first place. Uh, it turned out that he hadn't changed his mind. He hadn't de-radicalized, whatever the hell that term is supposed to mean. But now, uh, the, the, council, the, the county council in Staffordshire, which is where Mr. Khan was from, there's an individual who says that um, we've got to change the way we do things. And the, the, the suggestion that's being made that Mr. Khan's name and ethnic background should be erased from the public record. Uh, a counselor called Jillian Pardesi said, uh, can I suggest those two details please be removed? My concern is that mentioning the name of this person who happens to be of Pakistani descent further demonizes the Muslim community and it embeds in people out there a stereotypical profile of what an extremist is. And she went on to say that uh, blah, blah, blah. We are in dire financial straits as a country, and the far right in particular will look for scapegoats to exploit the situation. And if they basically if they see Mr. Khan's name out there, they'll think that all terrorists are Muslim and they'll kill all the Muslims. <laughs> what, what planet is this council person on? First of all, Mr. Khan's name is part of the public record. He was tried and convicted of, of a, being a terrorist. He did serve jail time. He went through a some kind of a program where he was supposed to shed his views, which of course he did not. And what purpose is served by taking his name out of the record? It gets worse. She goes on. It also detracts from the fact that we have, in a world as a whole, a far more far-right and neo-Nazi threat than we have of Islamist jihads. Whatever the hell that, she didn't get the term right. I just stated, and I showed definitively in my in my blogs, that in fact, jihadis are still 99% of all terrorists. So where she gets this notion that, that far-right slash neo-Nazis are a far greater threat, she must have great diff different facts than I have, because I, I'm not seeing that. What's the whole point of this? Is it merely woke culture? Is it political correctness? Is it cancel culture? I don't know. But just to show that the Brits aren't the only ones guilty of this, we have it here in good old Canada. This is an article from the uh, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, the CBC, which is about as woke as you get these days, titled, Ceases Wade Whether Rail Blockade Supporting What Sweatin' Could Be Classed As Terrorism. This is a report that came out uh, from CSIS, so my old employer, that stated that First Nations land rights activists who disrupt trains could be classed as a terrorist attack. Now, um, that's actually true. If it's a serious act of violence or if violence is threatened and it's for a political, ideological, or religious motivation, which is what Section 83.01 of the Criminal Code states, that wouldn't constitute terrorism. And the report came from what's called the Integrated Terrorism Assessment Center, or ITAC, which is a, a, a joint center that has people not just from CSIS, but other organizations across the Canadian government. And quote, Although these disruptive actions are damaging to the economy and to the rail network operations, they have not yet amounted to acts of terrorism. But they certainly could. Well, that doesn't stop the uh, the Wokies from coming out. And um, just to quote a couple here, there's a guy that lists as a associate professor of criminology at Carleton University. I couldn't find him out of a one-person lineup. He said that... Um, uh, she says it's shopping around the idea of potentially laying terror charges, which goes to show a little, for a criminologist, for a professor of criminology, who doesn't know that CSIS can't lay charges, we got a problem, folks. 
and goes on to say, we've expanded the war on terror so broadly that indigenous rights activists are being scrutinized as potential terrorists. It's a symptom of the war on terror stretching out and developing all these resources that they have to be used. Um, I, I, how does this academic get away with this kind of shit? I mean, you know, there is a criminal code and the criminal code uh, is, you know, we use that. We may not agree with everything in the criminal code, but it does exist. And if in fact these acts do become violent in nature, you could make an argument and a, quite a strong argument that in fact it constitutes terrorism. And there was an attack on a coastal gas link project in BC earlier on this year in which violence was used. And to the best of my knowledge, there's been no suspects arrested just yet. Uh, could be First Nations, you know, what Americans call Native Americans. Uh, it could be leftists. It could be environmental. I have no idea. But they caused millions of dollars worth of damage and almost killed people in their protests against this gas project. I, I don't know. I don't know where we go from here, folks. I, I'm living in a country where um, the Wokies are dominant, uh, which is very, very worse. And you, you can't even read the CDC anymore. I, I can predict in advance when I wake up in the morning. There'll be two woke articles. There'll be three LGBTQ articles. Like, like I don't care. I, I mean, I'm not being critical here. I'm just saying that we, we're, we're in a spot now where if you hold certain views on national security, you're called a racist. And in fact, um, we go back to the conflict between the Canadian government and First Nations back in the early 90s. And the then Assembly of First Nations National Chief, George Erasmus, uh, called CSIS racist. And again, back to this professor, why, why are they so quick to, and to try to delegitimize indigenous-led protests? Because it could be violent in nature. That's the whole point. We want to stop violence from happening. Yes, you have a charter right to protest. I think Professor Monaghan is also critical of the Trudeau government from calling the Freedom Convoy uh, terrorists when they occupied Ottawa earlier on this year. Of course, the inquiry is still going on. Who knows what's going to happen with that? The bottom line is that, you know, when you work in security intelligence, you've got a piece of legislation. In our case, it's the CSIS Act from 1984. It tells us what we can do. It tells us what we should do. We have a mandate under sections 12 and section 16. And we have a part of section two, which outlines the threats that we are authorized to investigate. And terrorists is one of the four threats. If you start telling organizations the language they can and cannot use in the course of their investigations, you might as well put a for sale sign on the building because that's political interference in the what should be the independent operations of a security intelligence service. So it's like law enforcement. When you get governments telling the cops what to do and what not to do, you might as well close up shop because they basically can't do their jobs. Yes, governments can guide. Yes, governments can, can put requirements on these organizations, but the way they do their jobs, that's what, the, what legislation tells them, not government policymakers and not Wokies and cancel culturists. Anyhow, that's what I think. Are you coming across this, this problem of woke language interfering in national security and public safety? Love to hear your feedback. You can reach me on email borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like the content want to get more of it, go to the website borealisfitness.com. Hit the subscribe button. There's a link there. You can get all of the podcasts including Canadian Intelligence Day, longer podcasts, which are interviews with people of interest to national security, more quick hits, links to the blogs, including Global Terrorism This Week, which I referred to earlier. There's also a link there to my latest book, The Peaceable Kingdom, A History of Terrorism in Canada, from Confederation to the Present. 
available on the website or on Amazon Kindle. Love to hear your thoughts on this and other podcasts, as well as ideas for future topics, maybe future people to interview. Hope to hear from you. We'll talk again soon. Until then, take care.